Yeah. That's what we need today is revival, isn't it? I mean, all of the problems we have are rooted in spiritual answers. You know, no, nothing we can do can change our society more than a revival. That's what we need is Jesus, don't we? Our world is crazy today, and it looks like it's spinning out of control more and more, and we don't know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. And I believe God wants to bring revival in our lives, in our nation, in our world, and I believe he's already doing it in so many ways. I mean, God is doing miracles at Woodlands Church. God is changing lives. I love you, Woodlands Church. Chris and I love you guys so much. Maybe you're worshiping with us online, but you're connected. Maybe you're right here in the Woodlands or you're at our Atascacita campus with Pastor Daniel. Why don't we shout out to those guys right now? We love you, Atascacita. We're getting ready to start a downtown campus and already construction has started. Maybe you've been driving from that area somewhere in the city. Maybe the Heights Memorial. Maybe the east side, the west side. You've been driving a long way and now we're coming to you. So you don't have to drive as far and you can invite friends and I'm really excited about that. You know, when it comes to revival, it just means being revived by God. And sometimes we need small revival in our lives because we're just worn out. How many of you guys came today kind of worn out from your week? It's okay to admit it because you're gonna get revived today. I just wanna tell you that this last week, my daughter and son-in-law went on a little getaway trip and we've been keeping their three little boys all week long. <laughs> And the oldest is in kindergarten. And the first two days were amazing. But now we are just worn out. We are broken. It is a miracle that I'm standing before you today. We cannot wait until they get back. You know, it started off, we're keeping the routine. You know, you keep that routine because they write out, my daughter wrote out all these notes. And so we're trying to do it just perfect. And, and yesterday for breakfast, it was like, you guys gotta eat your Pop-Tart before you eat your candy, okay? I mean, you just give up, you just start throwing candy on the floor and they just start going for it, you know? You lock them in their room and just slide the food under the door because, no, we didn't do that. And this morning, I hear my door kind of rattling and I thought I was dreaming. I woke up, went to the door and it was 4.30 in the morning, they were both up wanting to play with Bupa. It was ungodly. I don't know. It's a miracle I'm standing before you today. I need some revival today. Do you need some revival? Yeah. In big and small ways. Well, only God can bring it. He wants to revive us, refresh us, restore us. I believe with all my heart, God wants to do something in your life this morning that you will never forget. That only God can do. So let's pray. Dear God, we come before you and we know that you're God and we're not. And so many mountains that we face in our own personal lives are just too big for us, but not too big for you. So I just pray that you would meet us right where we are today and you would show us that you are so real. Lord, I know that's one of the purposes of our church, that 
people would see that you, God, are real and you care about every detail of their lives and you want to do amazing things in their lives. Lord, do amazing things in my life today. Restore, refresh, and strengthen each and every one of us and change us forever. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. This weekend, we're starting what I believe will be one of the most destiny-changing series that God has ever placed on my heart and Chris's heart for Woodland Church. Over the next 50 days, we're gonna go on a faith-building journey where I believe we'll experience God doing more in our lives than we could have ever imagined as we learn to trust God more than we ever have. During the next 50 days, I want you to know what to expect because when you begin to expect God to work, you begin to see God work. And the Lord says, be it done to you according to your faith. That's an amazing promise of God. Jesus said it over and over, be it done to you according to your faith. What he's saying is you get to choose how much God blesses and strengthens and meets the needs in your life. It's pretty amazing. By your faith, according to your faith, be it done to you. So the first thing I want you to expect in the next 50 days, expect God to do miracles in your life. Really expect God to do miracles in your life. We've been seeing so many miracles, small miracles, big miracles, as we expect and we ask God for that. I'm telling you, God's gonna do some amazing things in your life over the next 50 days. And secondly, expect God to build your faith in a big way. Your faith is going to really grow as you see God come through and you see how faithful he is. That's how our faith is built. Just one step at a time and we see God come through when we didn't think he was gonna come through. And when we don't have a way to make it through, God makes a way and it just builds our faith. So the next big challenge that comes along, we have a little more faith to face it. That's why many times God allows the challenges to get bigger and bigger because your faith is growing bigger. And that's what God wants because nothing will change your life more than your faith growing strong. Really, that's what our church is all about. It's to help people experience Christ rather than man's creation of religion so they can grow strong in Christ and then go back out to share Christ with others your neighborhood, the whole world, to be the love of Christ to everyone around you. And so I really want you to grow strong in Christ over the next 50 days. God wants every one of us to grow strong in him, to get our roots down deep so that we can withstand all the storms of life that come our way. So first, expect miracles from God. Secondly, expect God to build your faith. But thirdly, expect Satan to hassle you because his greatest fear is that you learn to trust God more that you start believing that God can do great things in your life and through your life. But the enemy can't stop what God wants to do in your life unless you let him. And sometimes I'm just, I act so surprised that the enemy is hassling me. It's like all these things start coming against me and, and you feel the enemy attack and I act really surprised by it. But you know what Chris and I are learning? The more the enemy attacks during a week, it starts getting me a little bit excited because I know that God's getting ready to do something big. God, you know, there's sometimes like, I don't even feel like coming to church, but I gotta preach. You know, I mean, yeah. it's like, but that's when I get really excited because I know, hey, Satan must be afraid of what God's gonna do this weekend. 
He must be afraid of what God is getting ready to do in my life and in your life. So just expect he's going to hassle you. He doesn't like what's going on here. Don't be surprised by it. But I'm telling you, expect miracles because God's going to work in your life in a greater way than you could ever imagine if you let him. And we're calling this faith-building adventure Believe and Build because what you believe in life determines what you build in life. What you believe forms the foundation of your life and if your foundation is faulty, whatever you build in this life will eventually fall apart. That's why so many marriages and families and relationships are falling apart today because they're built on a shaky foundation. What you believe in life determines what you build with your life. If you're a Christian, but you believe the enemy's lies that God can't do anything big and great through your life, then you'll build something small and insignificant with your life. What you believe in life determines what you will build with your life. If your faith is in something temporary, your foundation is temporary, and whatever you build in this life won't last for eternity. You may be building with your life this impressive skyscraper that everybody is looking at. They look at your life and they go, wow, you're a success. What an amazing life. I mean, they're doing something so important. Building this huge building that reaches to the sky with your life. But if you're believing in a foundation that's temporary, one day everything you built will crumble to dust. You will be long forgotten. What you believe in life determines what you build in life. And if you have a foundation that's eternal, you'll build something that builds a legacy that lasts for all eternity. Now, by the way, God is a builder. He built over a billion galaxies in our ever-expanding universe. He's always building. God is a builder. He's a creative builder. He created all matter, and then he builds with it. God's a builder, and his number one current building project that he's focused on is building his forever family. He wants everyone to come into his family. He wants everyone to be part of his forever family, so he's enlarging his forever family, bringing people all over the world to himself to receive him into their lives, to receive Christ, his son, so they can be connected again to God. God is building his forever family. That's what he's about. That's what he tells us through scripture in the New Testament. He is building his church. The forever family is his church. That's what God is up to. And so he wants to build our lives. The church is you and me. It's not a building. It's the body of Christ. It's not a place you go. It's people. And he wants to build our lives. He wants to build our faith. He wants to build our character. He wants to build our marriages. He wants to build our families. He wants to build our businesses. But we have to let God build. So many times we get in the way of God building what he wants to build in our lives. You know, we're always trying to help him out and we're just getting in the way. God wants to use us. He wants to build great things through us. You were born to build. And if you're not letting God build something lasting through your life, you'll always feel empty because you were born to build. God is a builder. He made us to be builders. But you're not the master builder. And you have to let God build what he wants to, when he wants to, through your life. I want us to look at a guy in the Old Testament who let God build in his life and through his life. And he built something that built his faith and built the faith of thousands of others around him. 
this ordinary guy was used in an extraordinary way. And, and this guy has a really unusual name. And you're going to get tired of hearing that name after I say it about a hundred times in this message. I just want to prepare you for it. It's a really strange name. You will never forget it after you hear me say it over and over and over again. His name was Zerubbabel. Say Zerubbabel, would you? Zerubbabel. See, it took you about, I don't know, 20 seconds to say that. It seemed like, you know, it just kept coming out. Zerubbabel. Let's say it again. Zerubbabel. That's it. You don't meet many Zerubbabels, do you? I don't think I've met one yet, but I do think it would be a great name for an international soccer player. Zerubbabel. You know those guys that are so famous, they just have one name? Pele, Ronaldo, Neymar, Zerubbabel. Plays for Arsenal, Zerubbabel. Well, other than in ancient Babylon, that's about the only place that name would work. Zerubbabel's name, though, meant born in Babylon. Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel. He was born in Babylon, but he wasn't a Babylonian. He was born to a Judean family. When the Babylonians conquered Jerusalem, they brought back many of the Jews to Babylon to live in captivity. And Zerubbabel's parents were among them. Of course, Babylon was a real city. Conquered the world of that day. It's in modern day Iraq. Babylon is a real city, but in the Bible, it's also used, that name Babylon is used as a symbol for sin and disobedience and turning away from God. And really, we're all born in Babylon until we're born again. We're all born in sin until we're born again. And Zerubbabel was born in Babylon. Zerubbabel was born in captivity, but God raised him up in Babylon as a trusted administrator to the king. Then when Persia conquered Babylon, Persia, modern day Iran, conquered Babylon, then Zerubbabel became a trusted leader for the king of Persia. When Cyrus became king of Persia, God put it in his heart to let 42,000 Jews go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. And Zerubbabel was appointed governor over Judea and Jerusalem and placed in charge of rebuilding the temple of God. And even though he had never seen Jerusalem, his heart was always there. He loved the one true God. He'd become a great leader. He was born in Babylon, but he was really born to be a builder. God raised him up to be a builder. And within two years after they returned to Jerusalem, Zerubbabel already had led the people to lay the foundation of the temple. And after they finished the foundation in record time, they had to get organized. They had to get people back into, they had to build homes. They come back there and had been devastated by the Babylonians. King Nebuchadnezzar had destroyed the temple completely. But within two years, Zerubbabel had led the people to finish the foundation. And everybody celebrated. There's a lot of pomp and fanfare and celebration. The, the foundation is done. And they're ready to finish the building as fast as possible. They got momentum now going strong. They can't wait to see the building going up. But then they get hit with problem after problem. And finally, their enemies get the new king to stop them from building. And the building stops. Not one brick has been laid on the foundation. For 17 years, nothing more is built, just the foundation. For 17 years, Zerubbabel and the people of Jerusalem have to look at that foundation and be reminded of their failure. Reminded 
that their dream was unfinished. You see, the Temple Mount was on Mount Zion, where it still is today in Jerusalem, and it was up on the highest hill, and so you could see the foundation from wherever you were, and you could see there was nothing above the foundation. You'd look up, and there was not a temple there. And that, by the way, that's where the Dome of the Rock is in the Al-Aqsa Mosque, which, you know, all this controversy still swirls around today. But Zerubbabel and everyone looked at where the temple should have been for 17 years and reminded them of their failure, that they couldn't finish what they started. It looked like the dream was done and the temple would never be finished, but God wasn't finished yet. God sends the prophet Zechariah to speak a promise to Zerubbabel that changes everything. And I think that's my job today, that God wanted me to encourage you with his promise that he is not finished building yet in your life. And sometimes that's all it takes is just a promise of God that revives you, that gets you thinking again that there is a possibility that God can still use you, that God can do something great in your life. And you need that encouragement. And when Zerubbabel got that word from God, nothing yet had happened but it started everything. And I believe God wants to do that today. That's my main job today is just give you encouragement from God's word and let God start working in your heart so you just open up your heart to have a little bit of faith that all those things that are unfinished in your life, God can finish them. And he wants you to take a step of faith today. I believe with all my heart that God wants to give you a promise today through his word that's gonna change your life. So I want us to stand in honor of God's word and let's look at Zechariah 4, six through nine. This is God's message to Zerubbabel. You can't force these things. They only come about through my spirit, says God of the angel armies. So big mountain, who do you think you are? Next to Zerubbabel, you're nothing but a molehill. He'll proceed to set the cornerstone in place, accompanied by cheers. Yes, yes, do it. After that, the word of God came to me. Zerubbabel started rebuilding this temple and he will complete it. That will be your confirmation that God of the angel armies sent me to you. Does anyone dare despise this day of small beginnings? They'll change their tune when they see Zerubbabel setting the last stone in place. You can be seated. I mean, what an amazing promise. And when God spoke those words to Zerubbabel, he realized that everything could start again, that everything could be redeemed, that God wasn't finished with him yet, and God was gonna build his temple, and he started it, and he was gonna finish it through Zerubbabel. So let's break down this passage in Zechariah 4.8. It says, after that, the word of God came to me. Zerubbabel started rebuilding this temple and he will complete it. God says, Zerubbabel, I'm not done with you yet. I used you to start this thing and I'm using you to finish this thing. One thing that's made crystal clear in this passage is that God is a finisher. God tells Zerubbabel, you think your building days are over? You think I'm finished building my temple? Then you don't know me very well. I am a finisher, and whenever I build a foundation, I finish the building. Don't you know that God is the faithful finisher? 
He's the author and finisher of our faith. He's the first and the last, the beginning and the end. God doesn't start anything without finishing it. He never does anything halfway. He's always faithful to his promises. So many times I get halfway into following God and some new area in my life and then I kind of give up. I get halfway into developing a new habit and then I give up. But God is a finisher. Look at Philippians 1.6. This is so encouraging. Maybe you need to memorize this verse this week and just claim it in your life. Philippians 1.6 says, and I'm certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. And that is good news for me and for you because if you're a Christ follower, God says to you today, I started my work in your life and I'll finish that work. I'm so glad that God's not finished with me yet. Christ is in my life. He's doing a life-changing work in me, but I can be so prideful at times. I can be so selfish at times. Sometimes I'm really hard to live with. You can ask Chris. She'll confirm it. Sometimes I'm not the husband that I really want to be. I'm not the father that I really want to be. I'm not the grandfather I really want to be. But I can do it for two days on my own strength. After that, God help me. That's why God allows you to have kids when you're young. And he allows you to get rid of kids when you're older. So many times, though, I struggle to trust him, even though he's come through for me time after time again. It's like, God, I don't know how I'm going to get through this one. And then I forget about all the times that God has brought me through. Many times I gripe when I should be grateful. I've broken promises. I've not kept my word at all costs. I've let people down. I've given into discouragement when I should be filled with courage. So many times my character looks nothing like Christ. But praise God, he is not finished with me yet. And he promises me that he will finish what he started in me. And man, that is good news. Your life might be a mess right now, but God says, I'm not finished with you yet. You may be overwhelmed by failure because you stopped following God, but God says, I'm not finished with you yet. And I finish what I start. You may be stuck in addiction and think you'll never break free, but God says, I'm not finished with you yet. You may be the most annoying person to be around. Maybe you're heavenly sandpaper. You rub everyone the wrong way. But God is using you to teach the rest of us patience. <laughs> Don't think God's not using you. God uses you to finish what he started in the rest of us. But thank God he's not finished with you yet. But I wish he would hurry up. And we all wish he would hurry up. God's not finished with me yet. I am not what I'm going to be, but I'm not what I used to be. God keeps growing me one step at a time. God's not finished with me yet. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, God's not finished with you yet. God's not finished with you yet. You are annoying, but God's not finished with you yet. Praise God. Husbands and wives, I mean, take a little time to realize this. This is good news for you. God's not finished with me yet. And here, here's the whole point of the whole message. This could be the title of the whole message. This is what it's all about. This is the one thing that God wants you to get today. Don't give up until God's finished. Don't give up until God is finished. 
God wants to build something beautiful out of your brokenness. Some of you feel like God's given up on you because you've messed up so much. God never gives up on us. God's love for us never stops. God's faithfulness has no end. So often we give up on God. We don't trust him to come through, but God never gives up on us. And so the whole point of the message is, don't give up before God is finished. Don't give up before God is finished building in your life. The temple went unfinished for 17 years. And I'm sure Zerubbabel had pretty much given up. That's a long time for us, 17 years. But then God gave him that promise. And notice what God told him in Zechariah 4, 6. This is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. It is not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. God says, Zerubbabel, you can't force it to happen in your own strength. You'll have to trust me in this one. You'll have to trust in my strength. See, don't forget who the finisher is. God is the finisher. And sometimes God allows us to try to fix something until we're stuck and we fail and we fail over and over again until we realize he's the finisher. You're not the finisher. God uses you to finish things, but he is the finisher. The temple went unfinished for 17 years. They were stuck. Nothing had changed. They kept trying and everything kept coming against them, and finally they knew they couldn't change it. And sometimes God brings us to the end so he can finish it, so that we are faced with a mountain that's just too big that we can't make it over, a mountain that's just too big for you, a mountain you've been trying to get past for 17 years. Maybe it's an overwhelming problem that just seems to stay in your life. Maybe... It's a mountain of a problem that's just too big for you. You can't fix this one. You've tried for 17 years or five years or five months. You're still trying, but the mountain's not moving. Or maybe you face a mountain in your marriage, a mountain of misunderstanding that's just built up over time with conflict and broken trust, and you can't fix this one. You've tried, but things just get worse. Or maybe it's a mountain of anxiety or depression that's always in front of your face, or maybe it's a mountain of hurt, a deep emotional wound that you can't heal. Sometimes God allows the mountains in our lives. God uses the mountains to make us. God uses the mountains to make us. He uses the mountains to make us into the person he has called us to be, to be prepared for the blessings that he wants to give in us and then through us. Now the mountains don't make us or break us. The mountains don't make us. You know, that, that's what everybody always says. Problems will make you or break you. That's really not the way God works. It's not that problems make you or break you. It's not that mountains make you or break you. The mountains make us because they break us. God uses the mountains to break us. So we finally come to the end of ourselves. So we turn to the mountain mover. God uses the mountain to break us and bring us to our knees. So we remember who the finisher is. Sometimes God allows a mountain into our life. God doesn't cause most of the mountains, but he will allow the enemy to bring a mountain into your life. And you try to fix it, you try to get over it, you try to get through it, and you can't. And it breaks you. And different things break us. But God knows the things that will break us so that he can break through in our lives. 
you know, anxiety and depression God's used in my life. I've struggled with it and I've gotten so much victory over the years and God's done so much over the years that, but yet I still struggle with it at times and God used that way back there to break me, to realize I needed him in such a desperate way and sometimes God even allows a mountain to kind of stick around. Now it's pretty rare because most of the time God removes the mountain but sometimes he allows it to just keep reminding you. Sometimes you need it to be reminded that you need him desperately and you stay broken so that he can bring beauty out of that brokenness. Don't forget who the finisher is. Remember though that God is a finisher. He's not a fixer. I mean, he moves mountains, but he doesn't give you like this little quick fix. It's not magic. It's not that you pray to God and then everything's perfect and everything's happy. God is a finisher, but he's not a fixer. He redeems things. He restores things. He wants to finish the beautiful building he started in you. And he uses your very brokenness to build something beautiful. We run from our brokenness. We run from our weakness, but it's the very weakness and brokenness that God uses to build us. He redeems the rubble to rebuild the life. He'll use your failure to rebuild the new foundation. He'll use your mess to work a miracle. He'll use your greatest problem to become your greatest purpose. He does it all the time. Look at Zechariah 4, 7. This is really important. God says, so big mountain, who do you think you are? Next to Zerubbabel, you're nothing but a molehill. He'll proceed to set the cornerstone in place accompanied by cheers. Yes, yes, do it. You see, God says, to the big mountain, he recognized, God says, I recognize it's really big for you, Zerubbabel. It's not big for me, but it's really big for you because you haven't been able to get through it in 17 years and you've tried. So God doesn't say, hey, that's a little mountain. You know, why are you so scared? That's, that's just a little mountain. You're making too much out of it. No, he, he says it's a big mountain. But then he says, because I'm in your life, Zerubbabel, that mountain is nothing compared to you. When you turn to the mountain mover, your perspective changes. Zerubbabel and the people of God faced this huge mountain. It was an overwhelming obstacle the enemy had put in their path. That's because Satan didn't want them to finish the temple. The same temple that would draw the people back to God, the same temple that Jesus, the Messiah, would walk in one day. That's the one that Zerubbabel built, that God built through him. And whenever you let God start to build anything in your life, the enemy will try to tear it down. As soon as you finish the foundation, you'll face a mountain. Expect the mountain. It just means that God has something amazing on the other side. And think about it. If the enemy is really coming against you and there are all these mountains in your life that you can't break through, what does that mean? Could it be that God has something amazing on the other side of the mountain and Satan wants to keep you from it? Could it be Satan's last stand to keep you from the blessing that God has for you? So don't give up before God is finished. And God speaks to the mountain, this obstacle in Zerubbabel's way. And he says, mountain, you move, move. He tells the mountain to move. My child Zerubbabel, I made him greater than you with my power. I'm the mountain mover. And so he's gonna step forward and you're gonna flatten out. And he's gonna receive the blessings on the other side of the mountain. You know, Jesus said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, and that was the smallest seed known in that day, then you can speak to that mountain 
and it will be thrown into the sea. What was he saying? I mean, that's an incredible promise of God. What was he saying? He was saying, it's not the amount of your faith, it's the object you place your faith in. And this is great news because I don't have a lot of faith. I don't have a lot of courage. I've just got a little bit of faith and it's very ordinary and imperfect, but God says, I don't care if your faith is as small as a mustard seed. You can have just a small, ordinary, imperfect little bit of faith, but if you'll take it and you'll place it all on me, I will do extraordinary things through your life. You could speak to that mountain and that mountain will be moved. That's powerful. I mean, that gives me such hope. You see, it's not the amount of faith. Some people look at Chris and I and they say, y'all must have great faith. Y'all must have amazing faith because look what God has done each step of the way. And now you're stepping out again in an even greater way for God to work through Woodland Church to love the world through Jesus Christ. And we always tell them the honest truth. No, we don't have great faith. We don't have extraordinary faith. We're so ordinary. We just have a little bit of imperfect ordinary faith, but we're learning to place it all on God, to put all our eggs in his basket so that he can move mountains. And that's what he does. That's our choice. We can't move mountains without him, but he's given us the authority to move mountains and speak to those mountains. And so have you ever done that? Jesus said, speak to your mountain. I don't know what your mountain is, but you can speak in faith to your mountain and say, in the name of Jesus, mountain that's been in front of me for 17 years, you move out. You flatten out because I'm going to the other side to receive the blessing that God has for me. In Jesus' name, mountain, you move. Get out of the way. It's been long enough. You can speak to your mountain now. You can't speak to the mountain unless you admit what it is. You got to get really specific. God always gets really specific. In fact, Jesus in the New Testament, so many times he would ask people, what is it that you need from me? Because he wanted them to say, it. he knew what their need was, but he wanted them to say it. To realize what they needed and that he could provide what they needed. He asked the blind man, what is it you want? It's like, Jesus, he's blind. You know what I mean? Don't you know? Yes, Jesus knew, but he wanted him to say it. And he said, I wanna see, I wanna see. And when you come to Jesus with your specific need and you say, this is my mountain, Jesus, I want you to take it away. I want you to give me the strength to stand it or take it away. I want you to bring me through it and tunnel your way through it, Lord, so that I have a way to get through this or just take it away. And when you do that and you turn to him and you get really specific about your mountain, what it is, I don't know what your mountain is, but then you speak to the mountain in faith. Mountain, you move. You move in Jesus' name, the great mountain mover. Some of you are gonna go home today and you're gonna think about, you're gonna get specific about what your mountain is. Sometimes we don't know what the mountain is. We think the mountain is that boss that's so bad. We think the mountain is my husband or my wife. They're the mountain. If they would just straighten out, then everything would be great. We don't know what the mountain is. Sometimes we're the mountain and we don't realize it. But get specific and speak to the mountain and the mountain will move or God will move you to be able to go through that mountain. And so I just really encourage you, challenge you during this faith building time of believe and build. God wants you to speak to your mountain and say, it's time to move. 
it's time to move. It's time to move, mountain. I am tired of you and I have the mountain mover. Look to your neighbor and say, I have the mountain mover. I have the mountain mover in my life. I have the mountain mover. We're not the mountain mover, but he is. Now this may be the most important verse in the whole passage in Zechariah 4.10. Does anyone dare despise the day of small beginnings? I love that verse. Does anyone dare to despise the day of small beginnings? Don't despise the day of small beginnings. God always uses the small beginnings to make big endings. We want the big ending without the small beginning. The foundation looked really small and insignificant, but it was the most important part of the temple. If you build a faulty foundation, the building will collapse. And God says to Zerubbabel, that foundation might look like a failure. It might feel like a small accomplishment, but don't despise the small beginnings. They are the secret to big endings. Zerubbabel, you feel like you're so far from the finish, but you're not. You're closer to the finish than you think you are. You're closer to that mountain moving than you think you are because when God says this after 17 years and Zerubbabel thinks, you know what, I'll never be able to complete this, but God says this brings courage to his heart and God says, you are closer than you think you are. And some of you are closer to your miracle than you think you are. You're closer to going to a new level than you think you are. You're closer to getting past that mountain than you think you are because you've been stuck for so long. And God was saying, Zerubbabel, I love what you've done. I love what you've done. I'm here to encourage you. Just because you can't see much above the ground, the most important part is already done. It's the part underground. Now they probably had to do pilings into the the ground. They probably had to do all kinds of things to really firm up the structure of the foundation. So many times in buildings in this building, I mean, it was months and months and months before you could ever see anything because there was so much work underground. And, you know, they'd be working so hard, pouring all this concrete and steel, just all underground. It'd be so frustrating. It's like, come on, guys, start building something. Start building something. Can't see anything. What's going on? This is going to take forever. But that was the most important part. You see, after... Zerubbabel got this promise and he started believing God just a little bit with his imperfect, ordinary faith and he placed it all on God. The temple was built in four years, totally complete and they celebrated. The most important part was the foundation. They didn't realize they were so close to the miracle. And some of you, it's been 17 years and you're about to give up, but the miracle is just around the bend. Don't give up before God is finished. Don't give up before God has finished building, before he's finished knocking down that mountain. Do you know the Chinese bamboo tree takes five years to start growing? It has to be planted in the ground and watered and fertilized where it's planted every day, but it doesn't even break through the ground for five years, so you can't see anything. I wonder who discovered that. You know, I mean, I wonder, you know, you see these big bamboo trees and you, I mean, I wonder who the person was that was like, Well, it's been four years, I haven't seen anything, but I'm not gonna give up. I'm planting that seed. It's been four years and 364 days, but I'm not gonna give up. I'm gonna see something. I'm gonna see, I would have given up after the first two days. I mean, five years, you've gotta water that and fertilize every day. But after five years, it breaks through the ground and grows 90 feet tall in five weeks. 
Why? Because what's going on underground, the root system, that's the most important thing. In some of you, God's been working underground in your life and you can't see it and you're about to give up and the breakthrough is about to happen. It's been four years and 364 days and now you're about to give up when the miracle's tomorrow. Don't give up before God is finished. God doesn't give up on you, but we give up on God and we don't let him build. And he can't build all that he wants to build in our lives. Some of you are about to give up watering and tomorrow's the miracle. You keep watering, you keep watering, you keep waiting. I hate to wait on God, I don't know about you. But God's timing is always perfect. He's never too late, he's never too early, he's always right on time. It's just not my timing, but he knows what he's doing. But you know, sometimes when I'm waiting on God, I think, God, when are you gonna come through? When are you gonna come through? This makes no sense. Why are we stuck here? This makes no sense whatsoever. God, when are you ever gonna break through? Sometimes when I'm waiting on God, really, he's waiting on me. He's waiting on me for my character to be built, for my character to be developed so that he can give me the blessing and I'll be ready for it, so that I can handle it, so that I can be a blessing to others. Sometimes God's just waiting on you. He's saying, I've been trying to give this to you. I've been trying to give you the breakthrough, but you're not ready to receive it. I mean, nothing is worse than seeing a leader whose character is not ready for the calling. And God says, I'm gonna let you stay in that waiting room until you're ready to receive the blessing. But sometimes God just says, hey, I've got a plan. I'm not gonna tell you what it is, but you can trust me with it. You wait. Don't you give up until I'm finished. That's how our faith really grows, is in the waiting rooms of life, going through the pain and the hurt, not understanding what it's all about, but knowing we can trust God, who knows a lot more than us. And as we stay in that place, we don't run ahead of God. We don't try to force things that make a mess of it, and we just stay there. God will come through. He may be coming through tomorrow, so don't you give up. Right before the miracle, don't give up until God is finished. And he is not finished with you. If you're still breathing, God still has a plan. And some of you think, you know what, I've messed it up too much. God can't use me anymore. I've gotten so far off track of God's will and God's purpose that it's over for me. No, as long as you're still breathing, God still has a purpose. God still has a plan. God's not finished with you yet, and you're not as far away from God as you think you are because God is right there, right there for you. Maybe you have a foundation in your life. Christ is in your life, but you've left that foundation. You've gone on to just do what you want to do and, and follow what you want rather than what God wants, and God says, hey, I love you. I love you. Just turn to me and I'm right there for you. You're closer than you think you are because God is closer than you think he is. And his promises are always faithful. And he promises you that he began that good work in you and he's gonna finish it. Praise God for that. He's not finished with me yet. He's not finished with you yet. His promises are faithful. Woodland Church, let's stand together. You're not gonna give up until God is finished, right? Because when you go home today, you're gonna feel like giving up.
because the enemy is worried you're going to take this seed of promise in your life and you're going to step out in faith because really it's the small things that make the biggest difference. That's the secret to Woodland Church. God has called Chris and I and you to take a next step of faith. And it's always one little small step of faith. And then you look back after 30 years and you're where you never dreamed God could take you. It's never some giant leap of faith. It's the small things. One day at a time, God says, you take this next step. And I go, God, how are we gonna do that? And then he opens the door, you take the next step and then the next step and the next step. It's those small things. And so today, when the enemy tries to get you down, just go, I'm not gonna do that. God, I turn to you. I need your strength today to keep taking steps of faith. Even when I go back home and there's that overwhelming mountain that looks even more impossible today. You remember God's promise to you. You remember and you speak to that mountain, whether you feel like it. It's not about your feelings. That's where I get so mixed up. Well, it feels like it's impossible. I don't feel like God can come through. It's not about your feelings. It's about the facts and your faith in the facts, the promise of God's word that God will not let you down. Do you believe that Woodland Church that God will finish what he started? Let's thank him. And let's pray together. Dear God, I pray for those who have never received you. They don't have a foundation. They're building their life on something that can change or be taken away. And everything's just so shaky. And and man, Lord, there's so much in this world today that is being shaken. But your foundation is rock solid. No matter what's going on around us, the storms of life can hit. But when we're built on you, Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter. You hold us together when everything's trying to tear us apart. So I pray right now for those who've never received you into their life, that they would just pray this prayer silently to you and say, Jesus Christ, I admit I've been trying to build my own life and I've hit mountain after mountain and I can't break through any of them without you. So I surrender my life to your care and control. I'm not God, you are. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I wanna be born again. Come into my life through your Holy Spirit. Give me the power to change. I can't do it on my own. I accept your free gift of heaven one day. I can't make it to perfect heaven. But you died for me. So I get to go to heaven because of you. I accept that free gift. And thank you for your grace. Now help me grow in my faith. And Lord, I pray for every one of us who are Christ followers that you would just help us realize that you're not finished yet. Give us, Lord, the wisdom and just the strength to not give up before the miracle, to not give up before you finish because you will finish what you started. And over the next 50 days, fill us with faith, Lord. I know we're gonna have some fears as we step out in faith to keep growing in you, to step out in faith, the new territory that feels uncomfortable, but that's how we grow in our faith. And I know some people are in the waiting room of life right now and they're about to give up. They're about to stop watering before that bamboo shoot that you have underground that you've been working on is gonna spring forth. And Lord, I know so many times you work under the mountain, but you're just setting all the dynamite there, Lord, to blow that mountain away, but I can't see it, so I start to doubt you. I pray that we would just remember this promise. Thank you for the promise, whether we feel like it or not, and stand on that promise, knowing that even though we can't see it, you're working. And it's never too late, Lord, for us to trust you and let you do something great in our lives. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Hey, Woodlands Church, right after this service over in the chapel, I'm going to be over there. And if you come from the downtown area, anywhere around the Houston area, anywhere inside the Beltway or 610 Loop, then we really encourage you to come to that. Or maybe you know friends down there. We've had hundreds of people come to our vision meetings. It's gonna be a lot of fun. It'll take about 20 minutes. I just wanna cast the vision and then we'll be casting it to our whole church coming up. But if you got some friends down there, come on. We wanna tell you all about it. God's not finished with you yet. And I want us to, as our benediction, as our affirmation, I want us to sing this Woodlands Worship song. It's one of my favorites that these guys wrote that, God's not finished, and it's never too late for God to come through. You're in the waiting room of life. You hang on. Don't you give up before God is finished because he's the author and finisher of our faith, and he will finish what he started. Let's sing this as an affirmation of faith. Hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.